Uh, we are in a series on battlegrounds, um, and we've had two lessons in that so far. One is reviewing where those battlegrounds are, and then last week we looked at the players that are involved, engaged in the battle that we're in. Just for a quick review, we saw that there is Satan, who is a fallen angel, who left his place in the kingdom and took a third of the uh, angels with him. Those are evil spirits, fallen angels. They occupy the heavenlies, the uh, second heavens, and move. Uh, Satan has the ability to go into the third heaven and present before the throne of God. But he is the prince of the power of the air, that is the atmosphere around the world, and the fallen angels uh, establish ruling and governing principalities and thrones over nations, cities, and countries. Then on the earth we have demons, the demonic force. We found out that they are in fact the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, those that were uh, from Genesis chapter 6 and the flood destroyed. Those disembodied spirits roam the earth. Those angels that left their place in heaven to cohabitate with women were put into Tartarus, that holding place below the earth, until the end of time when they will be released and wreak havoc on the earth. And so now that you understand the play, playing field and the ground, we know one thing that's most important, Jesus yeah. destroyed the power of the enemy, amen? He defeated Satan and his works by fulfilling the law. If the law is fulfilled, then you and I are no longer condemned by that law because of the righteousness of Christ applied to us. Thank God for that. That disarmed the principalities and powers that can accuse us before the throne. And now we have the indwelling Holy Spirit within us so that we are now to go into this world and deliver and save people from the work of those demonic forces and fallen angels. I say all that to say this means war. We're in a war. Everyone here, the minute you got saved, you entered into a war. You know, we so often try to draw people into salvation by saying it's going to be so wonderful, so good. You're going to love it. It'll be a tiptoe through the tulips. And they get saved and all hell breaks loose, right? I, I, I'm always amazed and I kind of crack up at those folks who we're able to get through 30 years of alcohol and drugs and they're not dead yet <laughs> and they made it through not getting caught by the cops or anything else and then once they get saved first time they stumble or fall they're getting immediately arrested they're getting immediately dealt with because God will deal with the sin to break it right but we're in a war right now some people look at us as Christians who emphasize this spiritual battle and say you know what you're taking this too literally in scripture come on give me a break you know you guys you like to play with your swords and your guns and pretend to bind devils and shoot at angels and ooh, let's get real this is the 20th 21st century you know jesus came and we have salvation and that's what we do till we go to heaven and it's like i'm sorry but that is not what the word of god says if you're going to believe the word of god you have to understand that most of the language in the new testament for the believer is military language it's language of warfare and uh, i want to take you to some of those scriptures you have outlines here so that you can see that first peter 5 8 says you need to be sober-minded 
be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So we have an enemy that is trying to devour us. We have an enemy that is trying to do everything it can to stop and prevent the growth of the kingdom of God in the earth. And so the enemy wants to produce his kingdom opposing the kingdom of God. Now we know greater is he that's in us and we know that God's authority is greater than the devil's, but he's got fallen man to do his bidding. And so we're not warring against fallen man, we're warring against those powers, principalities in the heavenly realm. And it is like a roaring lion, it's prowling, it is hunting, trying to take every opportunity to tear the kingdom of God down. Here's some of the military language we look at, Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. All right? You can't spiritualize that away. Paul is saying we're in a war and you need to be readied. You need to be stable. You need to have strength and power and might and you need to put on the armor of God. Why do you wear armor? Protect yourself in a what? A battle, in a war. All right? So Paul is saying, Peter's warning us, be sober-minded, pay attention. There's an enemy prowling Secondly, Paul gets into that and says, wear the armor of God because you have to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood or war against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I don't know about you, but those are power names. You know, we're not at war against Tinkerbell, at war against, you know... Twilight fairies, we are at war against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces in heavenly places. These are ferocious beasts. Verse 13, therefore take up some of the armor of God. Whole armor of God, all of it. You need every piece of it that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, later on in the few weeks, we'll get into the, what the armor of God is. But he's saying, take up the full armor of God. You need to be able to stand in a battle. And once you've fought the battle, you are still what? Standing. That's what he wants. We reference Daniel chapter 10. Each week we've referenced this, Daniel 10, verses 12 to 14, where Daniel's praying and an angel came to deliver the message that God had sent immediately, but he was withheld in the heavenlies over Persia by the Persian principality, the demon force. He had to call Michael, the archangel, to come beat that principality so he could deliver the message to Daniel. He then said after he delivered the message, the angel said, I'm going back and I have to contend with the principality of Greece. So we use that to understand that these fallen angels Authorities, thrones, principalities have networks of armies, generals, soldiers, and so forth that they are trying to establish strongholds over nations, over cities, over countries, and so forth. All right? It's very strategic. We don't want to fall to those strategies of the enemy. But how many of you know if the enemy can think and have strategies, how many of you know God's got better strategies? Right? And so we have to be in tune with the prince 
the king of the heavenly host, Jesus. 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Are we in the latter part of the last days? Yes, we are. So we should be aware that there are deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, if some of the folks who don't believe in God were to walk in this room and hear what I have to say, they'd be going, you Christians are so wacky, demons and spirits, ooh, ooh, right? But they'll go out there and they'll go watch the next scary movie about demons and gargoyles and things from the pit of hell, and they go, ooh, that's something. Or they'll be stargazing, looking for the aliens to come down and so forth. Our entertainment is basically demonic, all of the UFO and extraterrestrial stuff that's out there, what do you think that stuff is? The prince of the power of the air. It's demonic. And they're demonic activities of fallen angels and demons that are starting to show up and people are seeing this stuff and this activity. And they're willing to believe that but not believe in Christ who died for them and overcame all those authorities. Now there's one equation that works in the Bible where sin abounds grace much more abounds. And so as the devil is going to pick up his schemes, and as Paul says in the latter days, there will be greater deceit, deceitful spirits, and the teachings and doctrines of demons, there will be a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit and greater authority that's going to be exercised by the church. Amen? So we're going toe-to-toe with the demonic. And you need to get ready for this, because it the first line that, uh, that they're after are your children. If they can get them young, they can distort them and put them into bondage for the rest of their lives. How many of you can attest to that yourselves? And so if the enemy's after our children, we need to be paying attention to how we're raising our children and how we care for our children. And uh, we need to watch out for this. So We are in a battle. The war is real. The Bible speaks of it as real. The Bible speaks in military language. It says, get ready, suit up, be ready to fight this war. So the first realm of the battlefield we're looking at today are the heavenlies. All right? In the weeks to come, we'll look at the battle on the earth and the demonic and dealing with demons in people's lives and maybe some within your own struggles of life. But tonight, we're dealing with the second heavens and the heavenlies that we're to be warring in. So what we're looking at to pray into that realm is to tear down the strongholds that are established over your house, over your neighborhood, over your city, over your state, and over the nation. Okay? And the church is supposed to be torpedoing those and assaulting those areas and pulling them down. So we need to get geared up and equipped for the fight. Luke 10 verse 19 says this, Jesus said, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. All right, let's just take some of these scriptures and break them down, okay? Jesus said, I have given you authority. So first of all, if you'll remember when Jesus rose from the dead and was ascending to the Father, he said, all authority is given unto me, where? 
in the heavenlies, on the earth, and below the earth. Every realm that there is some demonic power, he has authority. He has all authority. He's king of kings, lord of lords, right? And uh, he will take authority. But right now he's operating as the high priest so that he can mediate all of the promises God has made into the earth. Thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And he's looking to us, his hands and feet, to execute this. And he's saying, you need to go out there and I'm giving you authority to do this so that you will tread on serpents and scorpions. So it's exciting, church. We can beat reptiles. That's exciting. That's really cool. Is that what he's talking about? No. What's he talking about? Scorpions, snakes, right? Serpents. Obvious reference to the, the demonic. And so he's saying that we have authority over the demonic. And we are to exercise that authority. And he goes on to say, he, he, he says serpents and scorpions... And I'm thinking he's referencing the earthly demonic realm. And then he says, and all the powers of the enemy. So whether it's a dominion, a throne, a principality, uh, an evil force or a power, um, whatever you want to call these different poltergeists and ghosts, uh, goblins and whatever your language of your culture would call these things, you have power and authority over them. How many of you know that many of the nations and countries that are not as advanced intellectually as the West contend with these spirits all the time? Why would that be? Why would we not be seeing the same kind of witchcraft and uh, all sorts of demonic activity that's seen in Cuba, in Africa, in the Philippines, and why do we not see that kind of activity here? Christian influence? What else? Nation, right? If you were an enemy, what would you do to infiltrate? The easy one? What I'm trying to get at is you change your tactics. Okay, it's very effective what they're doing in Cuba and what they're doing in Africa and ancestral worship and all that because the people are trained for that. We are much more scientific and sophisticated, so there's absolutely no demonic activity here in the United States. No, no, no. It just took a different tactic, didn't it? It took a completely different tactic. It has. If, if, uh, I, don't, I don't have my cell phone on me, but if I would, I'd show you the first tactic that is keeping you distracted and grabbing your attention constantly so that you are not paying attention to the things of God. So it's just a different tactic, right? We think we're so smart, but we are all under the delusion of an evolutionary product and thought and mindset. So we've got a nation that maybe doesn't have witchcraft in it, but the other form of witchcraft is evolution. Science, the thought of, of we evolved. 
instead of God creating all things. Do you see what I'm saying? The tactics have changed. So should the church not pray against the demonic? We must pray against the demonic, but we got to wake up to understand the form it has taken. Do you remember that uh, Paul tells us Satan presents himself as an angel of what? Light. Okay? So, I mean, there's no difference between in the Old Testament when they used to sacrifice their children to the god Molech. We're sacrificing our children to convenience. We're killing more children than they did to Molech. But we don't see that as, that's just a political issue that we're trying to fight over. So, do you understand what I'm saying? So, we have plenty to pray for. There's a lot of strongholds over the nation, right? A lot of strongholds over each individual city and each part of the country. How many of you have been to different parts of the United States? Would you say that there are different attitudes according to where, what section of the United States you're in, right? First of all, just get out of Detroit so that you're not driving like a maniac. And you'll find out that everybody else doesn't drive like we drive. Right? You ever come up 75 north back to Detroit and all of a sudden your hands are going. You can feel it. You just got to go down south a little bit and everybody's just moving at a much slower pace. (laughs) There's attitudes out east, attitudes out west, right? All right, these are spheres of influence in which the enemy is changing tactics to work within their schemes. There are pockets where uh, gambling and uh, prostitution are, are huge, right? And there's places where poverty has ruled over a city, keeping people in bondage, or the flip side, economically keeping in po- people in bondage to money on the flip end. You know you can be in bondage to money in two different ways, right? It's all an appeal to the lust of the flesh or the brokenness of the flesh. So we have got to well be aware of that we have the authority over these things if we're watching for them. Let's go on. Mark 16. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, this is a prescription. This this is a list of ingredients for those who believe. All right? We've got a lot of Christians who believe in Jesus but don't believe in this. So it's not going to function if you're not going to be believing, Right? But I mean, every one of us, every one of you that's a Bible-believing believer, filled with the Spirit, the full gospel, your, your ingredients should read, you know, if you had a label on you and it said your ingredients uh, or what you should be doing, what you're capable of doing, it should be laying hands on the sick, casting out demons, and so forth, what was listed here. Now, this isn't just an automatic. This takes work. This takes effort it takes learning and it takes a process i've prayed for a lot of people some have gotten healed and many have not so do i give up on that i've cast out demons there are times where they didn't get cast out do i give up on that i haven't handled any snakes or drank any poison don't want to (laughs) don't want to get better at that 
But what is he trying to say by these things? It's not, he's not trying to say that, that uh, you know, we should all become snake handlers and, and prove our faith by holding a rattlesnake that, and hopefully it won't bite us. That's, that's foolishness. What he's talking about, again, is in the spirit realm, our authority and power. All right? Now, if you get bit by a snake, does that mean you'll never, you won't die? It doesn't mean that either. It means in the work of the kingdom of God, these things manifest for the purposes of God, not for our show. Okay? It's to propagate the kingdom. It's for the purpose of the kingdom. And so, we'll speak with new tongues, cast out demons, and so forth. Now, 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Are we waging war? Paul says we are. Back to the warfare again. So, we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war in the flesh, for the weapons, there they are again, of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. It's one of the tricks of the enemy. The enemy wants you to forget about divine power and you think you have the power. Yes. Wants you to think that it's because you pray in King James language, you're going to cast that demon out. Or because when you pray over a city, thy heavenly father, glorious is your name, and you've worked at this speech, right? It's his power in you. That's why we need to teach our children how to pray. Because they're so honest and true, they'll just pray. And we got to teach them how to believe for things in the kingdom, right? And so it's not based on your authority, it's the power of God in you. Divine power, and what will it do? Destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. These words, we're talking war. You can't be nice to demons. You can't be nice to Satan. You can't be fair. You have to destroy that work. And when we see it, we have to pray that God break that power and destroy it as it is ruining people's lives. And I'll be quite honest with you. I'm in this too. I'm not just saying it against you. I'm saying against us. But all of us as Christians, we don't believe this. Because really if we did we'd be praying a lot more fervently against what's happening in our nation, what's happening in our schools, what's happening in our cities. We would truly be pleading with God to destroy the works of the devil. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. These are heavy words. Punish disobedience. How many of you are willing to punish the disobedience in your own heart and mind and pull down the strongholds and destroy the works of the enemy? I'm looking for the day as, as we are maturing as a church to move into those realms. But you know what it's going to take? Sacrifice. Commitment right? It's going to take us, oh, we're going to go a half hour past the service. Yeah, but we're demolishing the demon that's been over Detroit for so long. He's down. Let's take him out. Right? All right. So we need to be equipped. Let's take a look at what these weapons are that we can war in the heavenlies with. 
Number one, prayer. Most obviously, prayer. Why would it be prayer? He's the head, we're the feet, we're the body of Christ. Christ ascended into the heavenlies as the head, but he left his body here on earth. That's us. The ruling body and the ruling authority of heaven, we are ambassadors to execute the will of God. Jesus, our high priest, is telling us and indicating where we need to go, when we need to go. You're getting your orders from the front line, and he's saying, I need you on this front. I need you to take this and go forward with it. And so we need to pay attention through prayer. Uh, I'm reminded in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's got Peter, James, and John with him. Jesus standing there all of a sudden begins to glow like the sun, brilliant, so bright, brighter than the noonday sun. And the, the three disciples are looking at him. It's amazing. And then Moses and Elijah come. The law and the prophets come beside Jesus, whom they have prophesied of. And they see Jesus in his glory. Well, while that's happening, down the mountain below are the uh, nine other disciples trying to cast a demon out of a boy. And they can't. Now, they know how to cast out demons. Jesus had commissioned them earlier and sent them into towns and cities with authority to cast out demons and heal the sick. And they were successful. They're going into cities, man, and these cities are turning upside down. The people are getting healed and delivered, and they're so excited, and they come back to Jesus, and Jesus smacks his knee and goes, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, the context of that, some people have said, well, that was Jesus talking about when Satan fell from heaven at the very beginning when he was cast out of heaven. It doesn't make sense to me. Or it's a future tense that it, when he returns, he'll see. It doesn't make sense at all. Why would they talk about, we just cast out demons, we healed the sick, and he goes, you know, that reminds me, boys, about eons ago when uh, Satan, it doesn't, it's applicable to what just happened. They brought the kingdom of God into a city and the authorities and the thrones and dominions over that city were literally torn down because the kingdom showed up. They can't rule when the kingdom of God is in place. And they began healing and delivering. And in fact, uh, I was studying it today. One person, uh, well, a few scholars believe that with the uh, phrase of the Greek there, Jesus isn't saying, I saw Satan fall. He's saying that the demonic saw Satan fall. The angelic realm saw him fall. Whoever saw him fall, the thing is, he fell. As fast as lightning. In other words, one word from the kingdom of God will cause the enemy to just cancel out, pull him from his perch and bring him down. That's awesome. So why, were, why couldn't they cast out this particular demon? So Jesus and the three come down off the mountain after the transfiguration. Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you saw. <laughs> it's like, oh man, are you kidding? And so they come down and a crowd comes running to Jesus and said, your disciples couldn't cast out this demon. No, you didn't know what you're doing. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. what's wrong with you guys? How long do I have to be with you? Why can't you handle this? 